This week on The Big Show, it's Mother's Day weekend, and we'll celebrate moms by running down our list of our top movies for Mother's Day. The movie mom herself, Nell Minow, will stop by to share her favorites. In addition, we'll have entertainment news and reviews of the latest films, including Life of the Party and Breaking In, all on the latest episode of Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. Let's go. And welcome to today's show. Not a not a sunny day as we normally have uh, here in our studios down here at DC Radio. Kind of overcast, you know, rain threatening, but you know it's still going to be a hot show today. Welcome to Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. I am Tim Gordon. Action-packed show coming up today. As I said in our opening, it's Mother's Day weekend, and the movie mom, Nell Minow, colleague uh, and friend of mine, is going to stop by and share some of her favorites with you. We'll have reviews coming up a little later on on two films that are slotted particularly uh, kind of interesting between Infinity War and Deadpool. So this week we have uh, Gabrielle Union in Breaking In, as well as uh, Melissa McCarthy in Life of the Party. So you don't want to miss those reviews coming up later on. And in a couple of minutes, we're going to go straight to Wilson Morales. But before we get to him, let me just start the show today by saying it's season finale week, man. I mean, it's Atlanta tonight, the season ending episode of Atlanta um, I, you know, I watched the first season of Atlanta and thought that it was really strong and he has outdone himself this year. There's been like one classic episode after another and it all comes to an end tonight uh, for season two. Donald Glover, who just hosted SNL last weekend with rave reviews, probably one of the best episodes of SNL in recent years. Uh, he's also got solo coming up. You know, outside of Jordan Peele, there aren't too many other brothers. And Ryan Coogler, who are red hot right now. So uh, tonight, you definitely want to check out the season finale of that show. Also, another show that I just checked out, uh, and I was seeing some social media chatter when it dropped last week, and I got a chance to binge watch it this week, was Cobra Kai. Um, If you have not watched Cobra Kai, you know, people who love the Karate Kid back in the day, I thought they did an amazing job moving this this story along 30 years into the future. Um, check out Cobra Kai. I'm not going to really give too much of it away, but you definitely want to check that out. So without further ado, uh, at the top of every show, uh, we, ha- we feature uh, the editor-in-chief of BlackFilm.com, Wilson Morales, on our show. Wilson, welcome to today's show. 
Hey, how's it going? Hey, brother, what's going on with you, man? Um, you know, like I said during my opening that I thought that the week was, uh, it's kind of, we're kind of in a funky place, man, as it relates to our movie calendar because we, you know, we, we're coming off of one big film, getting ready to debut another big film in a week. Uh, but what are you thinking, man, that's going on in entertainment? What's happening uh, in your world? Uh, not much. As we all knew, you know, once the Avengers hit the theaters, uh, everybody was scaling back and waited to see, you know, let it make, let it make its money. Then when it starts to simmer down, then won't come out. Uh, so you have few films, Hollywood films in theaters, and you've got a few independent films, but, you know, it's, it takes a lot to start marketing those to even get people to go see that in theaters. If not, then you're just watching whatever's on Hulu right now. So you have a couple of shows premiering now and a, and a bunch of finales. Yeah, you're right, man. So um, you've been busy this week, man. I've checked you out doing what you do. Yeah, I recently saw the, uh, the premiere for HBO's uh, Fahrenheit 451, which is a new movie starring Michael B. Doyle and Michael Shannon. Um, so that was pretty impressive. Uh, and then you have uh, Breaking In, as you mentioned, coming out. And then you have a number of just season shows that are coming up pretty soon do um i think it's a, a very interesting time in television man like i said earlier man i'm, I'm discovering new shows every time uh you know because you can't you can't really track them all but you know you find shows that are of, of interest to you i think that fills in that gap man when we're talking about trying to find movies because there's only so many movies that are going to come out every week man but television that, that landscape seems limitless yeah you know, i guess during the summertime you, you know because everybody's takes dates ahead of time. You have to plan around and see when's the best time to come out for your film to have the best time for an audience to go check it out. Now, I've read on your site a couple of days ago that uh, we're getting ready at the end of the month, man, for the two-night premiere of Ava DuVernay's third season of Queen Sugar. Uh, have you had an advanced look at this thing already? I have not. I don't think anyone has. You know, she's out in Canada, obviously, as part of the jury for the Cannes Film Festival. And I guess when she comes back, to start uh, doing a lot of promoting for season three. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man, because I thought last year uh, that show, man, got as emotional as it can get. And, uh, you know, it seems like every time it, it seems like she's hit a level, she, her and her team are able to reach another level with the show. Uh, so that's definitely one that I'm looking forward to. I know Luke Cage is probably, we're probably about a month, maybe a month and a half away from it debuting on June 22nd. Is there anything else that you're looking forward to uh, in the television landscape to come, that's coming out other than those two shows? You know, after a while, I guess because we get, we're press and we see things early, I forget the release dates when these things start showing up. You know, but you have a number of shows, uh, Claws, Insecure, Power, you know, just a number of these things coming out during the summer. Yeah, I've been, re I've been reading some things about Power as well. I understood a couple of nights ago. I'm not sure if you were involved with it, but I know they did something with an episode, so it must be coming out pretty soon. Yeah, they, you know, they're starting to put out these trails. Well, I think they're going to come out, like, I think Power comes out in July. Oh, okay. So, you know, you, you still have a bunch of these shows coming out in June. Now, you also have, you heard me talk about uh, season finales, another huge season finale that's coming up, and I'm really interested in what they're going to do with it, is the season finale of Blackish that's coming up in about a week. Uh, it, it, for people who haven't been watching it, you know, there is marital, marital strife between uh, Andre and Rainbow, 
And for some reason, man, and I guess it's a credit to um, Kenya Barris and his team, it feels like we're really connected to these characters and that it makes you almost really sad watching Blackish to watch them go through these struggles. Is this a show that you've been tracking, Wilson? To be honest with you, I actually have not so much, you know, uh, because of the fact that I'm in theaters or I'm in theater world. Uh, <laughs> I sometimes I catch on it uh, on demand. But the good thing about the Blackish is that not every episode is like a soap opera, so you can catch those later on one episode uh, that's different from the other. Yeah, it, it really, man. I, I think the last two weeks, man, it really has, has me in my feelings, man, watching that show because you really like these characters. You've invested a lot of time watching them and their struggles and their journey. And to see, I'm assuming that, that I, I don't think he'd make the radical move and break this couple up, but at some point they're going to try to figure out a way to coexist. But I think it's great writing that it makes me and other people who watch the show feel a certain way about these characters. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, you also have dear white people on on uh, Netflix. So there's a bunch of shows that are out there and that's, that's involved with good writing. Yeah, dear white people, I really enjoyed season two. I finished binge watching that a couple of days ago. Um, really good job, man, by Justin Simeon. Um, I, last year, I thought the uh, season one got off to a slow start and really didn't pick up until probably maybe a third of the way through. But they hit it hard, and I guess they took a page out of what is another show that's been out? With, oh, Atlanta. I think they took a page out of Atlanta on how they have the ensemble and how. They have all these different individual episodes that focus on single characters. I thought they did a really good job with it. Yeah, you know, I think uh, you've had a lot of good directors out there who are able to keep these storylines on these shows correlate. But sometimes when you have different directions, they feel different per episode. But when you see it, it doesn't seem like uh, you've lost touch. Yeah, so now you talked about being out in the theater scene, man. What have you seen? Because I've heard that there's some really hot things that are going on uh, on the Great White Way, man. What are you checking out? Uh, you know, there's a few shows out there. There's the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. There's uh, Denzel Washington and the Iceman Cometh. You have Condola Rashad and St. Joan. Um, and you have the musical Donna Summer. Wow. So please tell me you've seen all these shows. Uh, with the exception of Dice Man Come Up, I've seen the others. Donna Summer didn't get the best reviews, but it, it's nostalgic. So if you want to go back and listen to the music, it's worth seeing. Yeah, was that Summer? Yes, Donna Summer. Okay, so, okay, all right, I'll, I'll take that. It sounded like a lukewarmer, but I'll take it. <laughs> uh, so when you say, that, when they do Summer, is it is it more or less about her life, or is it just a period, like a slice of her life? No, it's pretty much more or less about her life, but different forms from the beginning when she was a teenager to her 20s to later on in life. And of course the music is huge in this, right? Yes, obviously there's all the songs you're familiar with. Yeah, so I need you to get in to see The Iceman Cometh, man, because um, you know, anytime Denzel's on Broadway, I never get an opportunity to check it out, but you know, he always gets great reviews. Yeah, he does. You know, he got a Tony nomination out of it. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, brother's just super solid, man. Now, he's got the Equalizer that's dropping in July, I think, right? Yeah, it's coming out uh, sometime in July. I don't know the exact date. 
Yeah, yeah. I think it's the 20th. Um, now, the reason I was saying that is because Denzel Washington, to me, almost kind of works stealth, man. I mean, his brother just – he he produces projects every year. There's not a lot of fanfare. He just goes to work. He goes about his business. There's not a lot of controversy. He comes out. He gets his numbers. And he's on to the next project, man. Just – like, it's almost 40, yeah, I want to say it'll be 40 years, man, in a couple of years for Denzel, he, his, since he made his debut in 81. Yeah, he just continues to work. And, and make really good choices, man. I mean, I can't really think of too many actors, be it white or black, man, who have been as consistent almost for four decades, man. I mean, you know, we've seen so many people come and go, man. I mean, some guys started off as leads and now do supporting work that have kind of phased themselves out of the business. Denzel Washington, man, just keeps on going. And that's why we're always there to support him. He keeps going. <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely does, man. Well, Wilson, bruh, so what is coming up, man? Because, you know, we got Mother's Day weekend, man. Any entertainment plans? Are you going to shut it down for the holiday? Shut it down for the holidays. I'm going to be uh, going to see Solo pretty soon, and then I'm excited about seeing that. Now, are you going to the junket, or are you going to get a, a sneak peek uh, over the weekend? I'll know in a few hours. <laughs> oh, man, I really hate, man, that I don't live in New York, man. It's just terrible. <laughs> well, brother, as always, man, I know you can't talk about it because they're going to put you in embargo uh, hell, but um, enjoy the screening when you get an opportunity to get in that you're not going to let us know you got into. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know off the record. All right, brother, and tell people where they can follow you and read your content over at blackfilm.com which is the same words you use for Twitter and Instagram alright Wilson man I thank you brother and enjoy your holiday weekend man alright we'll touch base we will indeed alright and of course that is Wilson Morales from blackfilm.com as I said at the top of every show he joins us uh, to give us the entertainment rundown uh, but we're not going to go straight to break right now because I have a couple other issues that I just want to hit I want to circle back uh, because he talked about Dear White People, uh, which was volume two, uh, along with Cobra Kai that I've been binge watching and just watching stuff all weekend. Uh, Dear White People, if you have not had an opportunity to binge it, it's on Netflix. I think they released it, I want to say May the 5th. Yeah, May the 5th, I think it came back. And of course, it's the season two in Winchester College, uh, this Ivy League, fictional Ivy League university that... Um, you know, a lot of these characters uh, kind of uh, permeate. And you have a situation where, you know, moving on uh, as a transition from the movie to the first season, you know, you have Sam White or Samantha White, uh, who's gone through some level of crisis after the season finale of season one, where they had the uh, blackface party and how all the different characters, their fates were tied to that party and how they've all progressed since then. As I said, taking a, a great page out of Atlanta, we have all these different individual episodes that spotlight individual characters, giving us their backstory and then sort of understanding their motivations as a part of the ensemble. Really strong job season two. I really thought that they advanced the, 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 the storyline in a very smart way. They really sat down, thought out what they wanted to do, and then were able to execute it. So kudos to Dear White People. Same thing with Cobra Kai, uh, a show that I never thought that I had any interest in anything Karate Kid related, only to watch this show and figure out 
man, this thing is pretty good. <laughs> this is a pretty good show. And I love the fact that they flipped it, that we don't focus on uh, Ralph Macchio's character, who's the Karate Kid, but the guy he defeated at the end of Karate Kid and how his life went left after being kicked in the face and how <laughs> Daniel, Daniel uh, Ralph Macchio's character, Daniel, became like this huge businessman and how these guys come back together 30 years later with different homages to the series, all the original characters back 30 years older. Very smart. Oh, yeah. Cobra Kai is hot. I was shocked that I liked that show that much. I really was. All right. Um, we're going to take a break now. And when we come back on the other side, I want to talk Mother's Day movies. And I've invited a good friend of mine, Nell Minow, who we call the movie mom, apropos. Uh, so you want to keep it where you got it. You're listening to Keeping It Real with Film Gordon here at DC Radio 96.3 HD4. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to Keeping It Real with Film Gordon here at 96.3 HD4 and DC Radio. And, of course, that was The Intruders. I always love my mama. She's my favorite girl. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, before I go and introduce our guest, um, somebody asked me a question that we did not clarify in the first segment. If you're watching Cobra Kai, you can see that on Facebook Red. All right? So check it out there. All right, so welcome back to our show. And online with me is a woman that I have known now for close to 20 years. We serve in movies together. We both serve on the executive board uh, for the Washington, D.C. Area Film Critics Association. She is uh, an amazing uh, editor, writer, uh, interviewer, and more importantly than that, a person. Nell Minow from, uh, and actually, I'm not sure exactly what outlet, because I started to use the B one, but I know you're not there anymore. I'm so, not. It's been about a year now. I'm just at moviemom.com, but some of my stuff is also at rogerebert.com and a couple other places, but my home base is moviemom.com. Well, I am so glad we cleared that up, because I didn't want to credit you or credit another site with your work when and it's not the case. So, Nell, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm very, very happy to be on with one of my dear, dear friends. Well, Nell, in, in getting prepared for you, and I knew we would be talking Mother's Day movies and our favorite ones, I got a chance to watch Now Voyager, <laughs> at least about an hour of it. And every time I watch that movie, I think about you. I'm like, Nell, this is our movie. I love that movie so much, and that has absolutely and unquestionably the worst mother in the history of movies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. And a lot of these movies that I have a list here, a lot of these movies do not have really good mothers, but they're stories about Mother's Day. So I'm anxious to talk to you. Uh, offhand, what are some of the movies that make mothers or, or shy or put mothers in a positive light? 
in a positive light, of course, there are many, many movies, and many of those are based on true stories, on real-life mothers. I mean, for example, we've got three different movie versions, all very good, of Little Women based on the real-life mother of Louisa May Alcott, and now we've got a new uh, PBS series coming out on it, too, uh, Places in the Heart with Sally Field, Sounder, uh, one of my absolute favorites with Cecily Tyson, um, and so there are there are lots of movies about mothers, the or, or even stepmothers, adoptive mothers, The Blind Side, and one of my favorite movie mothers is not even a human. It's Mrs. Jumbo in Dumbo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now now you breeze through this list because you know I want you to break these things down and tell me because again I have I put a, a list together that I think is a little more sentimental that these movies just kind of move me and touch me in certain ways. Uh, but so what movies are doing that for you? Because you and I talk about this a lot offline about these movies, and I know you will go to the classic list. So let's talk about it, Nell. What, what movies specifically are touching you? Well, I'll tell you one. I'm gonna, I, I made a little list, too, and I'm trying to do the ones that are not obvious, but I'm going to begin with my all-time favorite movie mother. Since we just mentioned my least favorite um, mm-hmm. in terms of being the worst movie mother, I think the best movie mother, and she got an Oscar for this performance, is Anne Revere, who is one of the all-time great movie moms. She's in three classic movies playing important mother roles. But in National Velvet is my absolute favorite, where she plays the mother of a very young and extremely beautiful Elizabeth Taylor, who is a girl who loves her horse and wants to race her horse. And her mother at one point sits her down, and the family doesn't have a lot of money, but her mother has put a little bit aside money that she got as a prize for swimming the channel. And she gives her daughter this money, and the talk that they have is so sweet and so tender. And I just want to shout out to Anne Revere in two other movies, an Oscar winner for Best Picture, uh, which is the, the movie about anti-Semitism with Gregory Peck. Mm-hmm. And also um, she was in one of those boxing movies, uh, Body and Soul. And she's, she's, just, she's probably my all-time favorite. But then there are other ones that I really like that we don't think of as often, like Frances McDormand in Almost Famous. Now, that's one very tough mother, and again, based on a real-life mother. Yeah, and, and she's actually great. And there are a lot of people, I was looking at lists, and a lot of people are now putting three billboards with uh, Frances McDormand on the, on the Mother's Day movie list. That is an amazing Mother's Day movie. <laughs> she is so fierce in that movie, but she's also very tender. That scene where she talks to the deer, that's really something. Now, one of the ones that I have on my list, which probably is, is one, again, like you said earlier, about a mother not being in a good light, is AI, artificial intelligence. Yes. And, you know, the, the fact that uh, Haley Joel Osment's character, uh, I forget what his name was in it, uh, loves her so unconditionally and, and just yearns and seeks her approval. Um, so sometimes, I guess, Nell, on, when we make lists like this, you know, a bad mother in a, in a Mother's Day movie could be as effective as a good mother in a Mother's Day movie. That's right. And, of course, the point that you make is the key point, which is that the character who's not human is loving and devoted, and the character who is human and who has brought this robot in so that he can replace the son she lost is just not capable of giving him 
any love. She's used it all up. Yeah, she has used it all up. And um, I just screened that movie as a part of my series last week. And that, I always tell people that's the one movie that I probably will always cry if I watch it publicly yeah. or behind closed doors. I love AI. Love that movie. Yeah, um, that, is, that is quite a movie. Now, I'm going to mention one that you and I have talked about over the years that is a favorite of mine, and that's Claudine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a, that's I love that one. movie. Uh, and Dan Carroll uh, stars in that movie as a mom who's got a lot of kids and a lot of problems and has a chance for some romance with James Earl Jones. Uh, and she's not a perfect mother by any means, uh, but she's doing her best. She's trying hard, and she's I just have to say she's just breathtakingly beautiful. She's trying to be ordinary looking, but you can't do that when you're Diane Carroll. Well, you know, it's interesting because you, you're right. You and I have talked about this. And Diana, the late Diana Sands initially was cast was gonna in that going to be in role. it. And as you know, she's one of my very, very oh. favorites. But she she died before she could make the film. Yeah, and passed it on to her good friend. So you're absolutely right, man. But I wanted to bring up Beloved. Uh, a film oh, with yeah. Oprah Winfrey and Dandy Newton and Kimberly Elise. You know, here's a mother who loved her child so much that she didn't want her raised in slavery and kills the baby. The spirit comes back, played, uh, I guess, embodied by Dandy Newton. Yeah. Um, that, that, now, that's mother's love. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean that's, that's harrowing and, and uh, tragic and just a searing experience, but so beautifully performed. Absolutely. So let's. So we're talking about a lot of these modern movies. Let's go back classic one more time. We talked about Betty Davis and now Voyager. What about Joan Crawford and Mildred Pierce? Oh my goodness! <laughs> now that is one of the suffering mother movies uh, of all time, and uh, like Stella Dallas with oh. Barbara Stanwyck. Those are the mo- the mothers who really suffer. Uh, Madame X with Lana Turner. Um, those are movies where the mother just sacrifices everything. Mm. And, uh, and in Mildred Pierce, it's interesting that Joan Crawford had, had pretty much her entire career at MGM. She got fired by MGM because, you know, she was once their biggest star, and then she'd kind of fallen off. And so she was making her first movie at Warner Brothers, and she was pretty angry and depressed and bitter, and that really helped her in the, in the part. Uh, so she really sacrifices everything for her two daughters, and then one of them dies. And, you know, just as I said that in Now Voyager, you've got the worst mother in the history of movies, I think that Anne Blythe in Mildred Purse is the worst daughter in the history of movies. <laughs> she absolutely is. I'm laughing because I think about Mildred Pierce. It's like, wow, you little ingrate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and she in that scene where, where she's getting divorced from the rich boy that she never loved. Oh, my God. She is just awful. And then at the very end, too. So that's, that's a great one. And if you love that movie, which I do, I love that movie. And, you know, I also have a film series, and I showed that one of the, my film series last year. Um, you got to watch the Carol Burnett parody of it because that's, that's amazing. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm online with Nell Minow of MovieMom.com. Uh, Nell Minow is an amazing human being, and I love she's a she's a constant source that I love to talk to about movies. Uh, we sort of see movies kind of the same way. Um, I love classic movies, and I was telling somebody earlier today, Nell. I said, if I, if I had my druthers, I would love to create, like, another show to just look at movies like the foundation of Hollywood, some of these films. I would co-host I th- it with you. You oh do that, God. and I will sign up. Oh, my God. Yeah, man, because if you're not at home watching 
older movies on TCM or classic movies on TCM, you and I have gotten on people inside of WAFCA, man. You yeah. got to watch more movies, man. That's <laughs> right, because those movies. So I want to mention two movies right. that are dated in their way, uh-huh. but they both have pairs of mothers. Uh, they both have one black mother and one white mother, and of course, one of them is *Imitation of Life*, oh which, my is, God. <laughs> which has been made twice. Greatest. I'm t- going to talk now about the the second version. Okay. Okay. The, the greatest funeral in the history of movies. Uh, one of the great, great mother-daughter. I mean, there, you've got two different mothers and daughters who are dealing with very difficult issues with each other. The black mother, uh, her daughter decides to pass for white and, and pretend that she doesn't know her mother. And boy, does she feel bad when her mother dies and has that incredible New Orleans-style funeral. That's just an amazing powerful movie and then a favorite of mine i know it's dated but it still gets to me every time and this is one that makes me cry is guess who's coming to dinner and that speech where b richards one of my absolute favorites uh, who plays sydney poitier's mother speaks to uh, uh speaks to spencer tracy and tells him what's what um as their two children want to take the very risky step before it was legal in all 50 states to marry each other, even though it's an interracial relationship. That is a really, really powerful scene, and those two moms are just great. Talking about uh, the 19... There's, there's, a, there's two versions of imitation, imitation of life. life. I'm talking about the second one, the one with Lana Turner. Right. Yeah. Uh, 19, that second version, the one you talked about, was my father's favorite movie, which, which is every time I watch that movie, I think about him but I think it's such an emotional film, and you're absolutely right. That funeral with Mahalia Jackson singing. Oh my God! I want. Oh I want. That's what I want for my funeral. That is such an incredibly powerful, powerful scene. Now I want to tell you something, which you may know, that the listeners might not know. The young actress who played the daughter, uh, who's passing for white in that, was an actress named Susan Coner, mm-hmm. and her two sons are now two of the biggest directors in Hollywood. The Whites Brothers. Wow. The guys that did American <laughs> Pie and right. About a Boy and all those films. Yeah. So so wait a minute. So you love Guess Who's Coming to Dinner like that, huh? Because I, I do. Because I, I personally don't think it's aged well. I always tell people. I said it's dated. I understand yeah, it's very yeah, dated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is good, right? I mean, no. thank God we moved on <laughs> from some of that. And I don't just mean, you know, the way they express racism, the various characters, but uh, you know, and that it's it, obviously it's very shocking in those days. Right. And I remember seeing that with my parents and having a really good talk with them afterward. They said it was fine with them if I wanted to marry Sidney Poitier. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, go ahead now. We'll give you a, yeah. we'll give you a blessing for that we'll one. We'll give you a blessing for that one. And I said, what about Sammy Davis Jr.? Because he's Jewish, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, so... Um, uh, yeah, I understand that it's very dated, but as I said, that those scenes, those confrontations, Beer Richards, who is so great, and of course she's with Sidney Poitier in, in the Heat of the Night too. Uh, it, those scenes with with her and with and Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepper and Spencer Tracy are so powerful that it still works for me. Yeah. All right. So we've talked about some classic uh, films with mothers. I'll bring it up to one that I think, and, and I struggled with putting this one on the list, but I did it anyway. The Room with Brie Larson. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, that is a movie that I would I would classify as a movie that can make this list. Uh, for people who haven't seen it, of course, Room is a story of a mother and her son who are being held against their will in a shed. 
uh, behind a house. And it, it, I remember watching this. You were at the screen it with me when oh. we watched it. That was a very, very tough movie to watch. Understanding exactly that she has to help make a life for this young kid in this small, confined space that they can't leave. And, and, and to, for her to fill it with, I'm not going to say it was joy, but she filled it with some level of comfort. I thought that it was an amazing screenplay, an amazing performance by her. Uh, it is just a harrowing film to watch, though. Wow. It is a harrowing ex- experience to watch, but I'm going to tell you that I think that as we have seen in some other movies about very, very difficult situations with uh, parents and children, including The Road, based on the Cormac McCarthy book, it's really just a very, 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 very amplified version of the kind of desperate situation every parent is in with a child as you try to protect them from the terrible things in life. And they're going to have to grow up and learn that people sometimes are not nice, that people, good people lose, that people die, that bad things happen to people. They're going to have to learn that. But when you're a parent, you just wish so much that they would not have to learn that. And in this case, with Brie Larson in Room, she is suffering under the most terrible circumstances imaginable, constantly being horribly abused, no freedom, and yet she has created a world for her child. And this is what's kept her alive, is knowing that she has to create a world of safeness and safety and, and, and kind of sanity for her child. And, uh, and that is just an incredibly powerful, powerful movie. Now, do you want to, you want you ready for another bad mother? Now, wait a minute. I'm going to take a break right now. Okay. I'm going to come back and I want you to save that bad mother. <laughs> you guys are listening to Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. I'm on with Nell Minow here at DC Radio at 96.3 HD4. And we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Wendell Pierce and you're listening to The Big Show. Keeping it real with Film Gordon on Film Gordon Radio. You all appreciate it. When I was young, me and my mama had beef, 17 years old, kicked out on the streets. Though back at the time, I never thought I'd see a face. Ain't a woman alive that could take my mama's place. Suspended from school, was scared to go home, I was a fool. All right, and of course, that was Tupac Shakur with Dear Mama. You, you're getting the theme, what we're doing today, right? So welcome back to Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. I am Tim Gordon, and online with me, as she was in the last segment, is my friend, colleague, amazing film critic Nell Mennell of MovieMom.com. And Nell was just about to give me the next bad movie mom in our series as we're looking at our top Mother's Day movies all right, now go ahead and give it to me. All right, you've never seen a worse mother than this. This is as bad as it gets. Manchurian Candidate. Ooh, yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> is that Angela Lansbury? Angela Lansbury, yeah. who is only three years older than Lawrence Harvey, who is playing her son. But she's breathtakingly brutal in that movie <laughs> about a woman who's willing to sacrifice her son uh, to gain political power. Of course, there's a remake with Meryl Streep, who's very good. But Angela Lansbury owns it. Oh, she absolutely does. Um, so, all right. So that's good. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna take your bad stepmom and come back with another tearjerker. Okay. I'll go with uh, Julia Roberts and Susan Sarandon and stepmom. 
Oh, you boy. know that that story is about a, a a mother who has I think she had cancer or she yeah. was she was she was about to die, and does she handpick? Because I haven't seen stepmom. No, in a no, no, no. She she's not getting along with Julia Roberts because she's the second wife. Right. She's young. She's beautiful. She's the fun person with the kids. Uh, Susan Sarandon is is jealous and is a bitter and feels that. Julia Roberts is not responsible, uh, but when Susan Sarandon discovers that she has cancer, she has to make her peace with the woman who's going to be the only mother her kids have, mm-hmm. and that's the part where, I mean, get out the handkerchief. Oh, my God, yeah, it is so emotional. I mean, what a what a movie, man. It's, and, and you have two really good actresses on the top of their game with some really good material, so generally, when you get that, Nell, you know, you will get the emotion uh, that the screenplay requires. That is true, although that movie has a couple of things I don't like, and I have to mention one of my least favorite things in movies is when a bunch of white people get out the hairbrush and start singing Motown songs like they're all that. <laughs> well, hey, man, I mean, sometimes you've got... <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone, but that's a good point. <laughs> all right, now I've got another tearjerker for right, you. go for it. This is based on a real-life story. And it involves Cher, and it's Mask. Oh, yeah. Oof. Yeah, that was, wow. Yeah, boy, this, this segment feels like it needs a handkerchief. Because <laughs> those are some really emotional movies. That's a good one. Talk to, the, talk to the audience and explain to them who didn't see Mask. All right, well, Mask is the true story of a woman who's not the usual kind of mother that we see. She's not a cookie-baking mother, you know. She's not a let's-all-have-a-nice-Thanksgiving-dinner mother. Her best friends are bikers. She lives a very kind of wild life. But she has a son who has got a craniofacial illness where his face is very distorted because of a bone, the bone issue. And she is just a tiger when it comes to protecting him at school, taking care of his health problems. She is amazing. Eric Stoltz plays the son, unrecognizable under the uh, prosthetic makeup. And uh, she just is one of the all-time great moms in movies. All right, that, that's a good one. All right, so I have another one that made me cry the first time I watched it. All right, years let's ago. hear it. Steven Spielberg and Quincy Jones collaborated on uh, on this film based on Alice Walker's book, The Color Purple. Ugh. Wow. I, 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 now, this is what I wasn't even in the business then, and I was in New York, and they were having one of these, I guess, paid sneak screenings, and they brought me in. And paid us five dollars, and I sat there, and I remember crying at the end when the kids show up. Oh my goodness! Oh, well, had my you God. read the book? I, I had read. I did read the book. Yes, yeah. Well. Yep. That's one of the. So you knew you knew it was happening. Yeah. Ooh. Oh my gosh, that is <laughs> such a powerful movie. Really, really well done. Amazing, and Oprah gives a great performance in that movie too. That was her, that was her first film. Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg, incredible. Yeah. That is such a good movie. That's a good one. I, I wanted to mention another one that had a big influence on me. I've mentioned to you before that partly because I'm from Chicago, I've always had a great interest in Lorraine Hansberry, Mm -hmm. who I think is just one of the pioneering writers of the 20th century. And I think A Raisin in the Sun, you want to talk about an amazing mom, or two amazing moms in that movie with Claudia McNeil and Ruby Dee. Um, The power, the courage that those mothers show is just 
unforgettable. That's a great story, too. I mean, Raisin in the Sun is such a good film. And poor Lorraine Hansberry, who passed away at the tender age of 34 years old. Yeah. Uh, that was her film. And you're right. That, that Was that was that film? Was that a Chicago story? She's from Chicago, so okay. I feel like there's a big Chicago element in her, in her work. But oh. I don't think it took place in Chicago. Okay. All right. Well, what about Eve's by You? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> One of the Lemons. great experiences of my life. <laughs> was presenting that film at Ebert Fest and the seeing the seeing the real audience reaction to it. That is such an incredible, unforgettable story. Great and a and a great young cast, Journey Smollett, uh Megan Good, uh along with Lynn Whitfield and yeah. um Deborah Morgan. Oh my God. And and Samuel L. Jackson. So I love that movie. Casey Lemons remembered interviewing her for that years ago. So that is that movie made my list. Uh, what else do you have on your list now? Okay, well, I think we got to get, you know, a stepmother in there every once in a while, a good stepmother. Another one based on a true story. How about The Sound of Music? Oh, look at you. <laughs> look, at that's a good one. That's a very good one. That is a good one because, as you know, she comes into that family as a governess, and the children hate her and treat her very badly, but she really wins their love. And when the time comes and they need to escape the Nazis, she's all about that. She's great. <laughs> well, that's what you look for in a stepmother. Somebody yeah, that, a... yeah, helping you escape from the Nazis. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I got another crier. Okay, but well, I, I already think, because I, I th there's only so many criers. So go ahead. I got a list here as well. Go ahead. All right. Steel Magnolias. I, and, and it's so funny. This classic tearjerker follows a group of friends in the South as they deal with both tragedy and good fortune i was i told you i had an idea where you were going yep yep that yep. was a good one that's a that is that is uh, really you know sally field in that one with julia roberts as her daughter is that that scene right at the beginning where she starts to have a diabetic issue and and her mom has to kind of bring her back from it this the tenderness the the fierceness uh you know and it really i think the reason that movie makes us cry and it is also based on a true story is the 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 way that people rely on their friends i mean even just talking about it i'm starting to tear up and as long as we're talking about criers we have to mention terms of endearment yeah, which is which is what I, the next one i was gonna go with that movie right there that one gets me which is why probably why i can't watch it as much that one is a guaranteed make you cry film yeah oh my god uh producer have you seen this movie before terms of endearment yeah see I'm, I'm asking though because we have some age on our, on our <laughs> audience so they like look at us and go what are these movies you need all these movies that we're talking about uh you guys really need to watch some of these movies if you can't watch them yeah. all these are some really good movies so terms of endearment you took that one off my board yeah um what about soul food with Vivica oh, Fox, yeah. Nia Long, and Vanessa Williams, you know, yeah. and of course Irma P. Hall in that one. That's another really good film. Um, I remember <laughs> that's a film that always makes me hungry because it's so much food. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of good cooking in that movie. That, that and Chef are the two movies you never want to watch hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay, I've got an old one now, really old one, okay. but I love it. I think one of my favorite actresses in in the old movies is Myrna Loy, 
and both in Cheaper by the Dozen and then especially in Bells on Their Toes. Again, based on the true story, a remarkable true story of uh, Frank and Lillian Gilbreth, who had 12 children and were the original pioneers in the field that, that they called motion study and we now call efficiency. And, uh, and she, Myrna Loy in that movie, or in any movie, whether she's in that movie or the best years of their lives, she's an incredible mother in that movie. I or or Mr. Blanding's builds his dream house. I would just sort of give her my mother of the of the century award. Now I wonder. It's interesting because I haven't looked at TCM, and I'll probably take a look at it uh, as we start talking about the next movie because I know they've got something coming up on Sunday. They'll have a huge twenty-four hour marathon of all of these films that we're sort of kind of talking about. So I think some of these will show up. If you haven't had an opportunity to see some of these movies, some of them will debut or play on uh, TCM. Well, one that we haven't mentioned yet that I really love that they often do run on Mother's Day is I Remember Mama, again, based on a true story uh, with uh, Irene Dunn uh, as the mother. And it's a family of uh, immigrants from Sweden. No, I'm sorry. They would kill me if I said that. They're from Norway. <laughs> and I beg your pardon. Uh, they're Norwegian. And, uh, and they're sort of making their way. And Irene Dunn is absolutely wonderful in that movie. And she says a couple of things I have to tell you in that movie that I kind of stole and told my own children. Didn't tell them that I didn't make them up. Yeah, so now you're correct. I remember Mama's playing on Sunday, Sounders playing on Sunday, Mildred Pierce, Stella Dallas. I don't know what Mickey is. That's a 1918 film. I'm not familiar with that one. No, it must be a silent film. Huh, that's pretty interesting. So a, a lot of the films, that I was correct, Pocketful of Miracles. Oh, yes, that's a good one. Now, that was another one that was made twice. But I think uh, by that name, that's the one with Betty Davis, I think. Yeah, and what is Bachelor Mother? Ginger Rogers, David right. Niven. Bachelor Mother, right. That, that was, and which they remade as Bundle of Joy with Debbie Reynolds and, and Eddie Fisher. So Bachelor Mother is about a shop girl who finds an abandoned baby, and for some reason the owner of the department store where she works thinks that it's, that she's had a baby with his son. And so it becomes a big muddle, but it's a very charming movie. Now, are you familiar with Light in the Piazza? Yes, I am. Um, That is a movie about uh, the mother of a girl who's got what we might call cognitive disabilities today Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and is very protective of her. I think Yvette Mimiu, I think, is in that one. You're absolutely right. Look at you now, Minnow. <laughs> <laughs> so those, we've just gone through what TCM will be playing on Sunday, which is which is funny because prior to seeing this, we had talked about eight of these films already. So, so yeah, like, we were, we're on it. it, boy. All right, so I'm going to mention one that, hasn't, that we haven't talked about. Okay. There are a lot of great movies about mothers of kids with disabilities and, and how they handle it. And <clears throat> one of those is Dear Frankie with Emily Mortimer. Uh, and uh, Gerard Butler okay. about the mother of a boy who is deaf as a result of abuse by his father. And just like in Room with Brie Larson, she has just done a wonderful job of protecting him from knowing the truth about what caused his injury. And, uh, and her relationship with that boy is just great. All right, Nell. So we got a couple of minutes to go. And when I do, I want to do a show, uh, which I want to time out next year for the 60th anniversary of what I call the greatest year in Hollywood history, which is 1939. Yeah. Uh, I definitely need to have you on. and We need to do a full show for that one of these days. I'd uh, love it. 
that it's such a great year oh my god <laughs> such a great year so now uh tell people where they can follow you either uh reading your content on social media online where can they follow the movie mom well, it's very easy to remember. MovieMom.com is always where you can find me. And when I write for other places, I always put in links there. So that's kind of your home base. And I'm Twitter on MovieMom, Facebook at MovieMom. So find me, email me at MovieMom at MovieMom.com. I love to hear from you. Nell Mental also puts out a wonderful daily paper, which I contribute to from time to time. So <laughs> you can follow Nell all over the place. Wonderful woman. Uh, I will unfortunately not see you this afternoon because I'm going to watch our movie in a different location than you will watch it. But you enjoy, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon, Nell. I'd love that. Thank you, my friend. All right, Nell. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, and of course, that is Nell Minow, who we refer to as the movie mom. Uh, we gave you guys a lot of recommendations for Mother's Day, so at least get a chance to watch some of these movies that we recommended. And if you get an opportunity, Turner Classic Movie will Turner Classic Movies will be featuring Mother's Day Fair all day long. We're going to take a break right now, and we come back. It's going to be time to talk the movies or the movies that are being released this week which by the way also have a mother's day theme to it so keep it where you got it you're listening to keeping it real with film gordon here at 96.3 hd4 and we'll be right back Welcome back to The Big Show, keeping it real with Film Gordon here at DC Radio 96.3 HD4, and that's dcradio.gov. That, of course, was Boys the Men, Mama. All right, this week, uh, without further ado, it is time for us to tackle the two movies that are released in theaters that celebrate motherhood in different ways. Uh, so without any further ado, let's hit the music. <laughs> Now, there are two new releases this week in theaters that celebrate motherhood in different ways. So we'll start with Life of the Party. And in this film, Deanna Miles gets a divorce from her husband, Dan, and decides to go back to college and ends up in her daughter's class, who's not actually comfortable on the idea. Now known as D-Rock, she plunges headlong into the campus experience, embracing freedom, fun, and frat boys on her own terms and finds her true self in her senior year that no one expected. Directed by Ben Falcone and written by Falcone and his wife, Melissa McCarthy, this is the third film that he has directed that the pair co-wrote following Tammy back in 2014 and The Boss in 2016. Uh, the film, of course, stars McCarthy, Molly Gordon, Maya Rudolph, Stephen Root, and Jackie Weaver. And here's a clip from Life of the Party. I don't regret staying at home and being your mom, but I regret not getting my degree. That's why somebody's mom just enrolled in college. Beep, beep. 
beat it's me okay as you can tell in this clip uh melissa mccarthy is kind of going back to the well i would say uh that she's sort of has a persona on film you know that she's always kind of like someone who kind of sticks out like a sore thumb but uses a lot of physical humor to her advantage uh, and her likability to get laughs. And this film, when you look at the uh, trailer for the film, it immediately jumps out that it seems sort of familiar, that you think immediately back to the 1985 Rodney Dangerfield film, uh, Back to School, where a much older guy goes back to school with his child. And while on surface it looks like that's the sort of film it is, the film kind of veers into a very different way. But unlike the previous film that we just talked about, Back to School, that film was much funnier. This one, not so much. Now, the, the framework of the film is designed for it to be funny, but Falcone and McCarthy's script and execution leave a whole lot to be desired in this film. Um, a lot about the continuity of the story to me didn't make a lot of sense that you have a character who dropped out of college and going into her senior year 23 years ago. And when she comes back to school, the language of, of, of how she speaks, how she kind of sees the world doesn't really mesh with the fact that you've got a, a daughter that's in college that's about to go into her senior year. So it was something that when I think about the screenplay for Life of the Party, if I equated it to a cake, right, and you put it in the oven, it's almost like they took the script or the cake out the oven like a half hour too early. It needed more time. They needed more time to really think through some of the plot holes or think through some of the circumstances that the film kind of introduces and presents that really, to me, aren't fleshed out well. You've got a character in it that, uh, you know, of course, McCarthy falls in love with like a younger guy or a younger guy is enamored with her she's like a cougar and she <clears throat> excuse me is kind of in a relationship with this guy but then her daughter is watching the relationship and then when her daughter gets into a relationship with another guy the mother admonishes her but never addressing her own behavior um you got mean girls that it, it it's one thing to have mean girls attacking other of their peers but it's another thing to have mean girls attacking somebody's mother and I don't really think that that's really funny. It comes across as being really mean. So there were these sorts, like those are a couple of different elements that were in the film that to me just didn't make a lot of sense. Like you needed to think, have thought through that a little more on how we would present it. And so what I would say is much of the humor of the film, if you think it's funny, is derived by Mark McCarthy's physical humor and also Maya Rudolph, who I think steals every scene in the film that she's in. We need to watch a movie with Maya Rudolph in the lead as opposed to her always being support. So ultimately, the film delivers, to, in my estimation, too few laughs, too many head-scratching moments, and relies on McCarthy's physicality and likability to save the day. And guess what? It didn't. <laughs> I gave uh, Life of the Party a D plus. Um, this movie did not work for me, nor any of the other critics that I watched at all. All of us were sitting there just kind of staring at the screen, scratching our heads going like, I don't really understand what I'm watching. But it is a film that fits into the theme, and I understand why they released it this weekend, that it fits that a mother and a daughter are attempting to bond. It's just an experience that I don't really think comes across or works very well. Now, that brings us to our second film, 
that and second and final film that's being released in theaters this week. And of course, that film is Breaking In. And this film follows single mother Sean Russell, who after the sudden death of her father, takes her two children, Glover and Jasmine, to his Malibu mansion in order to settle his estate. But at the mansion are four criminal convicts intent on finding the deceased safe and making off with its goods. They take, uh, they take Sean's children hostage and force her to get the money, but when she begins killing them off to save her children. This film is directed by James McTeague and stars Gabrielle Union, and I'm laughing because I, when I looked up, my producer was looking at me like, huh? Yes, that's the plot of the film. Now, the thing about this movie, which is really interesting, uh, it is literally what I call a bare-bones movie. What I just described to you is essentially what it is. There are no surprises. There's no extra twist. It is just that simple premise of a, a, a woman and her two kids literally being in the wrong place at the wrong time, and here come these four guys. So the bare-bones aspect of this story, which is also produced by Will Packer, uh, the, 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 the biggest flaw that I think I have in this movie is that I'm really sort of kind of confused with what the message of the movie is, right? It would have made a lot more sense if you could have tacked on a 30-second scene or a backstory that would have given us some idea on why Gabrielle Union's character is able to, to, to do what she does, meaning that without giving us any information on her character and you just watch the film, do we know that she was... She had some military or athletic training. Uh, I understand she grew up in the house and she moved back. Was there something, her familiarity with the house and, and the land that helped her defeat these convicts? Because at the surface, she's just a simple mom. So is the message of the movie that if a mother's children are threatened, that she becomes so desperate that she can take down four career criminals? Uh, <laughs> is the message... Um, I, I mean, I really don't know. So when I watch the movie, you know that, you know, by virtue that it's breaking in, that, of course, these guys aren't going to win. And much like some of the earlier movies where we've seen women in peril this year, you know, um, Paula Patton in Traffic or, you know, not necessarily in Peril, but Halle Berry in Kings uh, or in some of her other movies, you know, this this formula of putting women in danger and then having to fight their way out of it. Like I said, the, the, the fact that this movie does nothing new, it doesn't break any new ground. We don't learn anything new other than the fact that here is another woman who's put into a negative situation. She's able to overcome it. I just would like to know that in one of these films that it's not just about the desperation. And again, maybe I'm a guy and maybe I'm not looking at this, in the with the right perspective and i'll own that if somebody kind of breaks it to me or, or or breaks it down for me in that way but i think as a film critic what you're looking for in a film is a good film that's not just something that you throw on screen and, and tell the viewer hey here's the movie just watch this and here's the story and accept it but you have to give me some elements you've got to lead me into what your story is going to be it's like re reading a book right so imagine if I wrote a story and it was in a book and I didn't give you any backstory. I just threw something up against the wall and said, all right, you know, take it or leave it. I mean, most people would just leave it. And I think the fact of, of what takes away from this film is that there's a certain element 
of misunderstanding or a certain level of intrigue and, and mystery in the story. And I'm not saying that in a good way that is mystery. There's mystery to the story because I'm really not understanding, you know, how this character is doing this. I mean, I know that she's able to defeat these guys. Do we have just the case of a bunch of dumb criminals? <laughs> is it, do they not really understand? I mean, there are devices that are in this film that literally don't make, I mean, it, 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 it too, I guess it could make sense if that was your life, but it didn't make sense in my prism of how I watched the film. Um, so, this is a film that I'm giving a lot of, of time to today that I guarantee you in a month, you won't even remember that Breaking In came out, nor you'll remember Life of the Party came out as well. Both of these movies are very, very forgettable. So, you know, I, I thought, uh, after all, um, that this movie is literally just a C. I gave Breaking In a C. Gabrielle Union, um, who I know has a background and went to the University of Nebraska. Her husband is Dwayne Wade. So to watch her run around and the physicality that she displays, it's really interesting because I, I slammed Melissa McCarthy because her film relied solely on the physicality to get laughs. But in Breaking In, the physicality is literally one of the best things that really works about this movie because... You know, you, you're watching her climb roofs and run through the woods and fight hand-to-hand. -hand. So I thought it was really good. It's, it's kind of a solid film for uh, Gabrielle Union. Nothing really earth-shattering or anything absolutely great. All righty, so those are your two movies that are out this weekend. And as I said, uh, you know, the, the, the history-making or the historic run for Avengers Infinity War continues. Uh, it's a movie that will probably have a big third weekend in the theater, which will be its last before Deadpool 2 drops next week, which we will review on this show. Um, so as we tell you guys every week in passing, um, you know, please see something good at the movies. Uh, have a wonderful weekend, uh, and we'll see you on the other side. And I want to say happy Mother's Day to my mother, Annette Gordon. I love you, Mom. <laughs> we will talk this weekend. Until next week, guys, we're out. I don't even want your congratulations. I recognize your false confidence and calculated promises all in your conversation. I hate people that feel entitled. Look at me crazy because I ain't invite you. Oh, you are important. You the moral to the story. You endorsing what the...